Good morning. Today <clears throat> is uh, Wednesday. Time just rolls along. 7 7. 7 7 21. Uh, July 7, Wednesday, Taiwan. Class 19, moving right through, of reading Chongsi from the Burton Watson translation. <clears throat> last year, uh, last week, I did a quick move through uh, chapter 7 titled Fit for Emperors and Kings. Um, Harkening back a bit to uh, Dao uh, Dao Te Ching and um, uh, Lao Tzu's teaching to the ruler. And so some portion of this chapter is guidance for the Taoist sage uh, in relating to the ruler or being a ruler, um, which is a you know, not a major theme in Taoism, but we can also apply it to how to rule or run or manage your own life. And so, guidance to the prospective ruler or ruler uh, regarding how to manage the kingdom um, is applicable for the individual, how to manage one's own personal life, to some degree. Uh, Looking over the chapter, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to spend the whole class on Chapter 7 since we, I uh, did a good, uh, I think, some focus on the core teachings from Chapter 7. So we will jump to Chapter 8 uh, this week also and do a read-through and then a little commentary. Uh, looking at this Chapter 7 again, I see that you've got a certain pattern um, structure in play with the whole Chongzi and, and this chapter as well. Uh, in the, the, the context, in many cases, is a fanciful narrative um, storytelling. So, fictional fantasy storytelling narratives in which we see both criticism and guidance. Criticism to other schools like the Confucians or the Legalists um, other ways of reforming, criticism of Confucian reformers, criticism of legalist, semantic, you know, nitpicking with words and language, uh, criticism of uh, what the Taoist or Tongso might consider uh, harmful ways, harmful to self and other. And the criticism is twofold, or the two, two elements can be determined. One is you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, cut your life short. And the second um, is that it just doesn't lead, it doesn't lead to success. It, it's um, futile and not productive of what you're seeking, and you'll hurt yourself. And the, the way, the, 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 the basis for why, of the criticism, um, is that it's ultimately interfering with what doesn't need inter- what doesn't need uh, intervention, uh, like putting a head on top of your head. It's an old uh, sort of uh, Chinese Buddhist phrase. Uh, putting a head on top of your head, you don't need a second. You have one. Um, the Tao doesn't need human intervention. Uh, creation, the kingdom, the personal life. So the kingdom for the ruler. The personal life for a person, for us, our own personal life, or the world and the collective, um, is just perfect, right, fine, in harmony with Tao as is. Now, that doesn't mean no intervention is needed. Um, Everybody's got to figure it out for themselves. Um, But the Taoist principle of Wu Wei, no action, really means no interference, no interruption, totally like green ray it's totally green ray and sati i mean sati and green ray and mindfulness and wu wei are all the same so you heard it here first green ray uh mindfulness or sati mindfulness practice mindfulness uh, awareness non-grasping attentiveness and wu wei are all of the same or wu wei and mindfulness are very non-sentimental, in fact, even um, quite universal means of activating green ray. If you, the greater the wu-wei, the greater the green ray. 
the greater the sati mindfulness awareness of what mindfulness is really about, the approach, mindfulness approach to life, non-grasping identifies, bring present <laughs> without making trouble, the greater the green ray. So increase of sati mindfulness, increase of wu wei, non-interference, increase of green ray, heart chakra, love as unconditional acceptance, non-control. So wu wei is against control, sati is against control, Control is blockage of the lower triad, retaining lower triad blockage. Green ray is love, opposite of control. This is a very important linkage for anybody who um, goes deeper. To, to, because most people really have don't, don't understand the green ray. We say love, love is right. What is love? Well, it ain't sentiment, it ain't feeling. It, it can include feeling, but it doesn't require feelingfulness or sentiment. And it's definitely not the same as I really want it. I love ice cream. Mm, I really want more. It's absolutely not that at whatsoever. Uh, there is a, um, a a warmth without heat, without without passion, to green ray. And while there is tender, cherishing, beloved feeling that it is of love, um, it's not necessary, or it's it's only it's one expression of green ray. With, with attachment, actually. So, in this uh, structure um, found in the narrative of fanciful storytelling, uh, or that as structure context, we find guide, uh, criticism and guidance. So, page 140, top of chapter 7, um, some various dialogues are uh, suggested. Top of page 141, um, there's a further explanation, and this is what I want to focus on, criticism and guidance. So, Jian Wu went to see the madman, Jie Yu, lots of madmen who happen to be um, wise men too, asking, what was Dong Shi selling you the other day? You know, so we're talking about rulership and talking about uh, other schools' guidance then this is now here going to be a criticism of Confucian, rigidly understood Confucian guidance and application. So this fellow, Jian Wu, who's relating to the madman Jie Yu, what somebody else was telling him the other day about the ruler and uh, proper rulership. Jian Wu said, he told me that the ruler of men should devise his own principles, standards, ceremonies, and regulations, and then there will be no one who will fail to obey him and be transformed by them. And this, again, can be understood uh, along the line of criticism of um, adding uh, what's unnecessary, or, or intervention that adds unnecessarily, unnecessarily addition manipulation, modification, re-devising. And so, okay, there's there's nothing wrong with principles uh, for sure, um, but that's a Confucian way. The Confucian comes in and says, here's benevolence and righteousness, uh, and here's my way, follow it, and you will be transformed. Uh, And so the madman, Jiayu, said, this is bogus virtue. Burton Watson is a smart fellow, so he uses the words very well. This is bogus virtue. And goes on saying, to try to govern the world like this is like trying to walk the ocean, drill through a river, make a mosquito shoulder a mountain. Okay, the criticism. Then the guidance. When the sage governs, does he govern what's on the outside? He makes sure of himself first, and then he acts. The other phrase is, make sure he has it in him before he offers it to others. He makes absolutely certain that things can do what they're supposed to do. That is all. So make sure that things can do what they're supposed to do, and that so definitely requires checking and some intervention. The bird flies high in the sky where it can escape the danger of stringed arrows. It, it, is, it, it can do what it needs to do. The field mouse burrows deep under the sacred hill where it won't have to worry about men digging and smoking it out because it's under the sacred hill. It's protected. Have you got less sense than these two little creatures? <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> um, uh, doing what's unnecessary or 
interrupting or intervening unnecessarily will hurt you. And that's why the Taoist rejects it. It's also futile. Another dialogue <clears throat> with uh, Tian Gun and the Nameless Man. Bu Ming Ren? Bu Mei means not or no. Wu Wei Wu also, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, Chinese uh, Sanskrit and Chinese and all sorts of languages uh, have multiple meanings for each each word. And so, uh, nameless man uh, could be, you know, Mayo Ming. It could also be Bu, like Bu Si. No, Bu Shi. No, it isn't. Bu Ming or Mayo Ming. No, the nameless man. Very interesting. The nameless man. Uh, so he was asked, "Please, may I ask how to rule the world?" <laughs> the nameless man, who has no name, because um, the Tao that is named is not the real Tao, right? So the man that's named is not the real man. Man. So my name is not me. Name and form, nama rupa, is illusory. It's sunya, of course. So the nameless man said, "Get away from me, you peasant!" What kind of dreary question is that? How to rule the world? And then he's um, <clears throat> playing around, talking, you know, I'm living in broad and borderless field. Uh, <laughs> what business do you have coming with this talk of governing the world and disturbing my mind, you dummy? And then finally, after being pestered a bit more on, tell me how the ruler should rule the world. Mao uh, Ming, Bu Ming Ren says... Let your mind wander in simplicity. Blend your spirit with the vastness. Follow along with things the way they are. And make no room for personal views. Then the world will be governed. And so, like I said last time, it's the order of the, um, the uncarved block. Uncarved block, the great clod. Um, the natural uh, order or natural phenomenal display as a divine order, uh, not requiring human intervention. Now, of course, if you want to grow a garden, you probably better do something. Meanwhile, there are other very clever uh, gardeners who understand that you don't want monocropping, and you want companion planting, and and, and that weeds are useful. My God. And so there was a Japanese farmer I studied in college uh, in ancient times, <clears throat> I forgot the guy's name, very, very bright fellow, who was talking about, um, you know, uh, the garden looks like a, a, a field um, with, with multiple crops and some little weeds, too, that the weeds were necessary for shading the ground and keeping things, dry, keeping things moist on the soil. And there are all sorts of value to what seems valueless or what Western said, cut and get rid of. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, yeah, sure. Uh, sometimes we cannot follow things the way they are. And so I wouldn't say, always do this. Let your mind wander in simplicity. Um, The uh, value judgment that simplicity is uh, commonly superior to complexity. Blend your spirit with the vastness, spaciousness. Certainly you cannot know that without quiet mind. Uh, Follow along with things the way they are. Don't intervene when it's not necessary, be damn sure intervention, modification is necessary before you do so. Make no room for personal views uh, could also be uh, don't get attached to personal preference and opinion. Don't fall into the thicket of views. Don't get caught in um, self-trumpeting opinion and doctrine and view. Right? Atta is anatta. Higher self, Atman, is Paramatman, is Sunya, is Tat, is Sat, actually. So tomorrow, if I'm still on earth, I will talk about Tat Sat, Om Tat Sat, um, which I found recently. Ho Ho, uh, I'm not the first who said Tat and Sat is one. Oh, oh, actually goes way back to the Ramayana. Anyway, (laughs) um, beautiful teaching here. And so another dialogue, um, talking on the top of 143 about the the achievements or government of the enlightened king. 
And this is sort of a teaching uh, when interventions needed, when um, we shouldn't be following things the way they are. Here it's in relation to others or group activity. Lao Dan, the, the top of the line, said, the government of the enlightened king, his achievements, meaning the enlightened king or the sage, the Jenren Maharaj, his achievements blank the world, but appear not to be his own doing. His transforming influence touches the 10,000 things, but the people don't depend on him. With him, there's no promotion or praise. He lets everything find its own enjoyment. He takes his stand on what cannot be fathomed and wanders where there's nothing at all. <clears throat> really, core Taoism. Uh, completely in harmony with Lao Dan's teaching in Da De Ching. So this is a fictional dialogue, presumably, but it's completely in line with the Taoist philosophy of Da De Ching. And so he does have achievements, but nobody says it's his. He doesn't call attention to himself. He, he wants success, not praise. His transforming influence, he is doing. He is acting. Touches the 10,000 things, like his achievements blanketing the world. But the people don't depend on him. So not calling attention to the self, not seeking praise whatsoever. If praise come, okay. If no praise, okay. If there's blame, okay. Depending on, you know, then one should look, am I blameworthy or not? In either case, the people don't depend on him. The people are not focused on him. They're focused on themselves. With him, there's no promotion or praise. He's not a fav playing favorites. He's not a nepotist. He lets everything find its own enjoyment. Um, that's a nice phrase, right? Let's, let's, that's Wu Wei, non-interference, very purely. Takes a stand. However, he does have a stand. He does take a stand. He does have principles. <clears throat> he does have values. He does um, hold a line somewhere, but it's a line hold, held on what cannot be fathomed, on the formless, on non-grasping. He holds fast to non-grasping. <laughs> he holds fast to Wu Wei. He holds fast to Sunya, or appreciation of Tatsat. <clears throat> uh, reality, absolute reality being as it is such. Absolute reality or phenomenal display as such. Um, and there's a distinction between that and how we feel about that. And in some cases we damn well better act and in many cases, our actions are unnecessary and or futile and are harming to ourselves and other. So that's the major counsel is don't, is, you know, um, uh, harmlessness, right? Ahimsa. So the Taoist is totally in line with Gandhian Ahimsa, completely, at the most subtle levels. Don't hurt your body, don't hurt your mind. And um, don't hurt anyone. And um, that's Wu Wei. Finally, uh, if you're flying along here, uh, the long passage from uh, 146 that I closed last class with, um, this here is Laetze, as a number three in command in the uh, Taoist pantheon of philosophers, Lao Tan, Lao Tzu, Chang Tzu, and then Laetze. There is a book, Leitzu, but it's written later, and um, you'll see this when we get into chapter 8 and on. Uh, the tone really is different, and it really sounds to me like a bunch of guys later putting things together, uh, copy-paste, and uh, let's think about how to fill out this book, and some old stuff and some new stuff and a real pastiche. So uh, Leitzu, whoever he was in the story, pages 145, 146, um, after his story of him realizing he doesn't know anything, <laughs> humility uh, is very important for the Taoist. Humility based in realism, based on the fact that we want to know clearly, am I finished or not? And we're not. And is my way the best? Well, it's not because we're not finished. So we can learn more because we're not finished. Only the one that's finished would, would have a perfect understanding of the Tao and Tao so the teaching here, 146, closing chapter 7. Do not be an embodier for fame. Do not be a storehouse of schemes. Do not be an undertaker of projects. 
Do not be a proprietor of wisdom, an owner. Don't own, don't own sat. You can't own sat or, uh, or buddhi. Buddhi is, is ownerless. Uh, don't, don't, don't self-aggrandize on the basis of uh, development. Don't self-aggrandize your rightful attainment in seven chakra development. Going on. Embody to the fullest what has no end and wander where there's no trail. Hold on to all that you've received from heaven, but don't think you've gotten anything. Boom. Hold on to the formless, the subtle, the principles that um, that um, are nameless. <laughs> the Tao that can't be named, Mr. Nameless Man. Uh, hold on to the unutterable. What the hell does that mean? Well, one needs a quiet mind, a mind that can, like Ross said, uh, silence of mind at the steady state. Uh, if the mind can't do that, it's very hard to know what's going on here. So, hold on to all you've received from heaven, but don't think you've gotten anything. Be empty, sunya, that's all. Empty is all. Mm. Because uh, sunya is tatsat. I mean, the emptiness of illusion is the nature of tatsat. We add on, um, you know, we make intervention when we don't have to, but we conceive, you know, like... Uh, Nisargadat screaming, Kalpana, Kalpana, meaning concept, concept, meaning Sankara, meaning add on, meaning uh, illusory Nama Rupa addition, um, a fermented fabrication of interpretation, uh, opinion, particularly, you know, preference based or preference biased. That's just not necessary. Um, in some cases it is, but in many cases it's not. Finally, the perfect man uses his mind like a mirror, going after nothing, welcoming nothing, responding but not storing. Detachment, vairagya. Therefore he can win out over things and not hurt himself. And that's the key. Don't hurt yourself. If you hurt yourself or if we have an illness, if we have an injury, it's a sign that something's going wrong. We did something wrong. Either in this life, however, it could be past life. So there's genetic and then there's all sorts of past life causal ripening. The ripening in the present time of past life causal seeds. That it doesn't indicate that we're doing anything wrong today too much, but uh, we're <laughs> slated, we've slated our incarnation to face some kind of uh, blowback from uh, sins of the uh, sins of the fathers, meaning our past lives. So... All right, <laughs> that's chapter seven, and um, very heavy stuff here. Now, chapter eight, the beginning of the non-inner chapters, is uh, called Webbed Toes, and there are two uh, significances or meanings to the phrase or utilizations of the term Webbed Toes. Uh, one is... Um, adding what's unnecessary, like webbing the toes when it's not needed. And the second um, is um, uh, the, 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 the non-manipulated natural display phenomena, things as they are, right? Tatsat. Uh, Tatsat, where um, uh, one may have web toes, one may have, it's not making, not an unneeded making, but um, a challenging made, a challenging phenomenon, uh, display, manifestation, experience, catalyst, situation we've got to face. And that that is not per se uh, an obstruction to uh, the gentleman who can handle having webbed toes <laughs> or something like that. It's a very strange chapter and it starts to get weird. This is where... Lots of people are lost. <laughs> they they drop songs of reading at this point. So, and um, even Burton Watson makes the note number one that virtue, his term virtue, is the of course, just like uh, the Arthur Whaley translation of Tao Te Ching, Tao and the being way in virtue. He said, note one, chapter eight, 
virtue, the here seems to mean inner power or vital force. Seems to be, could be. And and he said this in the following three sections, I think he might mean chapters or sections of this chapter, are much closer in thought to Tao Te Ching than preceding sections. Sections, I think, might mean chapters. And so it could be uh, chapters. Um, and so, yes, what we're seeing is, I think, um, the text being um, amended and amplified and uh, composited, um, altered or corrupted, <laughs> with a, later editions from guys who've read Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu, and add their own philosophy and say, hey, this is Chuang Tzu too. And so... He said also, also here in this chapter, we encounter the first time in Zhongzi the term Xing, or inborn nature, which is so important to Confucian thought. And so Xing means uh, inborn nature. You can say true nature. And so that's an important um, Mahayana Buddhist concept that uh, actually probably came significantly from Taoism. And so a bunch of Chinese Mahayana, including Chan, that later became Zen. Blue Rock, Blue Cliff Records, and all that stuff, and the koans, and uh, all of Japanese Zen, both schools, Soto and uh, Rinzai, strongly influenced by pre-Buddhist Taoism, um, which itself was influenced by (laughs) Vedanta and Buddhism. It's a very interesting thing. So you've got Taoism 2,300 years ago, influenced by Indic Theravada, you know, early Buddhism, Pali Buddhism, and influenced by Brahman, Brahmanical and Vedantic philosophy and praxis, practice. Then that same Taoist uh, literature uh, from 2,300 years ago becomes um, a fertilizer for Chinese Mahayana um, 500 plus years after that. <laughs> So you've, you've got some interesting cross-pollination between early Buddhism, Vedanta, and Taoism, and then that Taoism with later Mahayana Chinese Buddhism coming in, you know, uh, centuries later into China. Then that becomes the basis of Japanese Buddhism or, you know, uh, feeds into the Japanese modifications or, of Buddhism <laughs> that they made. So let me read this chapter. It's very odd and a little gross, but um, (laughs) let me read it through and then we'll see what we got. So uh, chapter 8, Changsi, translated by Burton Watson, uh, called Webbed Toes. It begins, Two toes webbed together, a sixth finger forking off. These come from the inborn nature, Qing, but are excretions as far as de virtue is concerned. Swelling tumors and protruding wens, whatever that is, these come from the body, but are excretions, meaning uh, additional, uh, out, uh, very much like asava, like uh, outflows, uh, exactly like the word outflows, actually, in Buddhism. These come from the body, but are excretions or outflows, Asavas, as far as the inborn nature is concerned. Men overnice in the ways of benevolence and righteousness, like the, the Confucian, try to put these into practice, even to line them up with the five vital organs, meaning they try to add up um, the unnecessary add-ons with the original nature that doesn't need that, actually, and doesn't need help. Then he goes on, this is not the right approach to the way and its virtue. Ho ho, the Tao and Tao Da, or De. Therefore, he who has two toes webbed together has grown a flap of useless flesh. He who has a sixth finger forking out of his hand has sprouted a useless digit. And he who imposes over nice, right, idiot compassion, over nice, that was Trungpa's term, he who imposes over nice ways, webs and forked fingers on the original form of five vital organs will become deluded and perverse in the practice of benevolence and righteousness and over nice in the use of his hearing and sight. This is a 
I don't think there's any other translator who put this as uh, the Chinese original as over nice, but it's basically um, excessive um, graciousness, ingratiating. It's it's sometimes called uh, saccharin, saccharin sugary, sugary uh, oily approach. Thus, he who is oh, he who is web-toed in eyesight, his eyes have added on have have. Uh, are sub- his eyesight is subject to, a- to unnecessary add-ons, the, the interruption, interference. He who is web-toed in eyesight will be confused by the five colors, bewitched by patterns and designs, by the dazzling hues of blue and yellow, of embroidery and brocade. Am I wrong? This is totally from later, guys. So we have Li Zi, um, who um, I didn't, I'm not sure about, so... I'll read through. So, we have Li Zi as an example of that. He who is over nice, <laughs> weird, over nice in hearing will be confused by the five notes. Bewitched by the six tones, by the sounds of metal and stone, strings and woodwinds, the Huang Zhong and Da Lu pitch pipes. Am I wrong? So, we have Master Kuang, music Master Kuang. <laughs> he's talking about examples probably from Chinese history of those that were praised because of their uh, skill or righteousness or benevolence um, but he's saying are confused by having added on the unnecessary he who is fork-tongued with benevolence will tear out the de virtue given him and stifle his inborn nature in order to seize fame and reputation, leading the world on with the pipe and drum in the service of an unattainable ideal. Am I wrong? <laughs> so we have Zheng and Shi. These are other people uh, that he's referring to who did this. He who is web-toed in argumentation will pile up bricks, not the plumb line, apply the curve, letting his mind wander in the realm of hard and white, likeness and difference, huffing and puffing away, lauding his useless words. Am I wrong? What do you think? <laughs> do you know? Do you know? So, <laughs> this is about the logicians who are um, stuck in uh, semantic argumentation. So we have Yang and Mu. All these men walk away that is over nice, web-toed, wide of the mark, fork-fingered, not that which is true righteousness of the world. He who holds to true righteousness, and um, let me just, I really do have to uh, read the notes concurrently. The true righteousness is a, is a very important phrase here, actually. Just a moment. True righteousness, uh, he who holds to true righteousness does not lose the original form of his inborn nature. Doesn't lose xing, true nature. Does not stray from true nature. And, um... Okay, I can't find that. Yeah, it's just, uh, that's just talking about xing, but... I guess I'll just read through and stop commenting. He who holds to true righteousness, or rightness, it's actually true rightness, does not lose the original form of his inborn nature. So for him, joined things are not webbed toes. Things forking off are not superfluous fingers. The long is never too much. The short is never too little. The duck's legs are short. But to stretch them out would worry him. The crane's legs are long, but to cut them down would make him sad. What is long by nature needs no cutting off. What is short by nature needs no stretching. That would be no way to get rid of worry. I wonder, then, whether benevolence and righteousness are part of man's true form. Those benevolent men, how much worrying they do. It's very deep (laughs) questioning, actually. The man with two webbed toes webbed together, or two toes webbed together, would weep if he tried to tear them apart. And now we're saying, in the case of naturally 
occurring webbed toes or forked hand or fingers or this or that. The man with two toes webbed together uh, in accord with how he's born, meaning in accord with, with his inborn nature, true nature, would weep if he tried to tear them apart. The man with a sixth finger on his hand would howl if tried to gnaw if he tried to gnaw it off. Pretty crude. Of these two, one has more than the usual number, the other has less. But in worrying about it, they are identical. Nowadays, the benevolent men of the age lift up weary eyes, worrying over the ills of the world, while the men of no benevolence tear apart the original form of their inborn nature in their greed for eminence and wealth. Therefore, I wonder whether benevolence and righteousness are really part of man's true form, meaning shing, inborn nature, true nature. From the three dynasties, old times, on down, what a lot of fuss and hubbub they have made in the world. Don't make hubbub, bub. Uh, If we use the curve and plumb line, uh, compass and square, to make something right, this means cutting away its inborn nature. If we must use cords and knots, glue and lacquer, to make something firm, this means violating its natural virtue. Duh. So, the crouchings and bendings of rites and music, the smiles and beaming looks of benevolence and righteousness, in the, in the most formal, you know, uh, socially... Um, socially uh, formal, proper ways, not, not authentic. So the crouchings and bendings of rites and music, R-I-T-E-S it should be, the smiles and beaming looks of benevolence, so-called, and righteousness, which are intended to comfort the hearts of the world, in fact destroy their constant naturalness. For in the world there can be constant naturalness, when, where there is constant naturalness, things are not arced. <laughs> They're not curved. They're not arced. They're arced not by the curve or the use of the curve, uh, straightened not by the use of the plumb line, rounded not by the compasses, squared not by T-squares, joined not by glue and lacquer, bound not by ropes and lines. Then all things in the world, simple and com- simple and compliant, live and never know how they happen to live. All things rude and unwitting get what they need and never know how they happen to get it. Past and present, it has been the same. Nothing can do injury to this principle. The principle of um, universal justice in the uh, completely unmodified natural display. Phenomena as is, tat-sat, the sat of tat, the absolute reality, truth of suchness as it isness, uh, is, I'd say, this principle thereby, whereby nothing can do injury. Uh, such is such. Phenomena are as is, our life is as is. If we have webbed toes, such it is, and if we don't, um, he's saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't make it. So past and present, it has been the same. Nothing can do injury to this principle. Why then come with benevolence and righteousness, meaning so-called formal um, uh, de rigueur, <laughs> benevolence and righteousness, that tangle and train of glue and lacquer, ropes and lines, and try to wander in the realm of Tao and De? You will only confuse the world. A little confusion can alter the sense of direction. A great confusion can alter inborn nature. Ching. How do I know this is so? Ever since the man of the Yu clan, old times, began preaching benevolence and righteousness and stirring up the world, all the men in the world have dashed headlong for benevolence and righteousness, so-called. Meaning the, the artificial benevolence and righteousness. This is because benevolence and righteousness have altered their inborn nature, is it not? Let me try explaining what I mean. From the three dynasties on down, everyone in the world has altered his inborn nature because of some external thing. The petty man, 
he will risk death for the sake of profit. The knight, the warrior, he will risk it for the sake of fame. The high official, he will risk it for family. The sage, he will risk it for the world. So here you've got the reforming sage. All these various men go about the business in a different way and are tagged differently when it comes to fame and reputation. But in blighting their inborn nature and risking their lives for something, they are the same. The slave boy and the slave girl were out together herding their sheep, and both of them lost their flocks. Ask the slave boy how it happened. Well, he had a, he had a bundle of writing slips and was reading a book. That's how it happened. Ask the slave girl how it happened. Well, she was playing a game of toss and wait your turn. <laughs> like uh, pickup sticks or jacks. They went about the business in different ways, but in losing their sheep, they were equal. Bo Yi died for reputation at the foot of Shaoyang Mountain. Robert Zhi died for gain on top of Eastern Mound. The two of them died different deaths, but in destroying their lives and blighting their inborn nature, they were equal. Why then must we say that Bo Yi was right and Robert Zhi was wrong? So he's equating, um, you know, maybe uh, historical figures of... Um, what he would consider inauthentic, artificial benevolence and righteousness. They've got some fame, and now they're famous, right, from the great say, great reformers of old. Yet uh, he says it's the same as a robber, and they both died um, blighting their inborn nature. He goes on, Everyone in the world risks his life for something. If he risks it for benevolence and righteousness, so-called, you know, artificial versions, then custom names him a gentleman. If he risks it for goods and wealth, then custom names him a petty man. The risking is the same. Yet, here, yet, we have a gentleman here and a petty, low man there. In destroying their lives and blighting their inborn nature, Robert Zhi and Bo Yi were two of a kind. How then can we pick out the gentleman from the petty man in such a case? He who applies his nature to benevolence and righteousness, may go as far with it as Zheng and Shi, but I would not call him an expert. He who applies his nature to the five flavors, as a cook, may go as far with it as Yu Er, I guess a famous chef, but I would not call him an expert. He who applies his nature to the five notes, tones, music, may go as far with it as Music Master Kuang, but I would not call this good hearing. He who applies his nature to the five colors may go as far with it as Li Zhi, but I would not call this good eyesight, like a painter maybe. My definition of expertness has nothing to do with benevolence and righteousness. It means being expert in regard to your de. that is all. So expert is not, in associate, is not defined by uh, predominance or um, action basis in predominance of or activity basis in so-called benevolence and righteousness in the Confucian formal, you know, rigidly held ways. He would say being an expert is uh, in regard to preserving uh, true nature with uh, de or virtue or staying close to de, which is true nature, which happens to be six chakra which is true self, or no self, or non-duality, or um, uh, being-ness, right? The, the condition, the awareness of being-ness. My definition, he goes on, of expertness has nothing to do with benevolence or righteousness. It means following the true form of your inborn nature, that is all. When I speak of a good hearing, I do not mean listening to others. I mean simply listening to yourself. When I speak of good eyesight, I do not mean looking at others. I mean simply looking at yourself. He who does not look at himself but looks at others, and we can say only looks at others, who does not get hold of himself but gets hold of others, is getting what other men have got and failing to get what he himself has got. He finds joy in what brings joy to other men, but finds no joy in what would bring joy to himself. And if he finds joy in what brings joy to other men, but finds no joy in what 
brings joy or should bring joy to himself, then whether he's a robber or a bull yi, he's equally deluded and perverse. He finds no joy. He doesn't enjoy his own true nature. He enjoys, he, he seeks the enjoyment of others and their praise or recognition, um, which is not his true, not of his true nature. And he says, <laughs> he's okay. So, and if he finds joy in what brings joy to other men, but finds no joy in what brings joy to himself or what should, then whether he's Robertger or Bo Yi, he's equally deluded and perverse. I have a sense of shame before the or Tao and the Tao and its virtue. This is straight up. <laughs> I have a sense of shame before Tao De Ching or Tao De. Uh, I have a sense of shame before Tao and Tao De. And for that reason, I do not venture to raise myself up in deeds of benevolence and righteousness or to lower myself in deluded and perverse practices. Ho, ho. So, uh, harsh criticism to rigidly practiced Confucian benevolence and righteousness. Uh, you know, uh, this can be applicable to us personally at this time in the world, partially, possibly, somehow, um, in relation to uh, grief, the, the grief we may feel at um, avenues of world service blocked now. Avenues of world service are blocked in many cases. Not totally, but some of them surely are. As I said, I have a wasp that's been born inside my wall and period or God knows where, and he periodically flaps intensively to try to get out the trapped wasp um, makes himself known periodically. So that's off to my left. <laughs> on the left shoulder, on the left tone, the left side tone is the uh, frantic wasp. So uh, avenues of world service currently blocked uh, is akin to um, making peace with the inability to um, the the in, the 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 value of avoiding what he says we should avoid in terms of formal, um, social, uh, socially, um, fully socially, only socially manifest righteousness, benevolence, world service, reform, and help. And so uh, the Confucian literalist that he's criticizing who he says is shameless before Tao and Tao De, um, is seeking to raise himself up in deeds of benevolence and righteousness. Um, deeds of benevolence and righteousness um, to us could be called um, service to other. Now, while service to other is a term for the positive path, and we remain on the positive path, it's also a term for forms of engagement with others, other selves, which really means um, physical, I mean, tr what type of transfers are we talking about, right? Physical, like, you know, somebody falls and you help them up. Um, emotional comforting, mental guidance, clarification, listening, careful, calm, you know, uh, supportive conversation, dialogue, um, quiet listening and supporting and spiritual teaching or energy sending, right? Forms of service to other, physical, emotional, mental, intellectual, and spiritual, metaphysical, right? All sorts of forms of service to other. Some of them are totally blocked today. Some of them will continue to be blocked. Some of them will be even more blocked for any of us than they are in the future than they are today. So talking to people about things that they completely cannot comprehend, talking to people who are terrified and panicked, talking to people who are enraged and blaming those that disagree, um, starting physical groups, <laughs> going to uh, Buddhist meditation sessions in the city of lockdown, uh, all sorts of uh, forms of physical, social interaction uh, that may also be associated with, physical, with, with service, right? being with people in a positive, helpful way, are blocked today, will be even more blocked tomorrow. 
and the intellectual and the, and the, the, the spiritual is another matter, but the uh, physical, emotional, mental, uh, lower triad, uh, space-time forms, first three, physical, emotional, mental, intellectual, social, interpersonal, are um, may well be increasingly blocked in the future. Uh, that need not lead to um, unending anxiety and angst and dismay and distress. Um, it will probably, initially for many of us, lead to that, or we already are feeling that. Dismay, distress, distress, dismay, frustration, sorrow, grief, even a desire to get the hell out of here as soon as possible. Yes, that's true. It need not, we need not be there forever also in those states of mind. And um, the comment here is that the, the, the guidance here includes some sense that you need to find joy in what would bring joy to yourself. You need to find joy within yourself, not simply joy and happiness in um, the physical, social, interpersonal forms of service and uh, feeling needed, being needed, doing your part, constructive addition. When it's blocked, it's blocked. If the door is locked, you can't open it unless you knock it down and you might damage the whole home structure if you try to knock down locked doors. So sometimes that's good to do. Sometimes it's not good to do up to you. But he's really saying um, you, you need to look at yourself as well as you look at others. You need to get a hold of yourself, not be focused on getting a hold of others. Um, you know, save your mind, your ass will follow. Um, save your mind, a joyous world service will follow in the fullness of time, in this world or the next and then there's always, of course, phys- uh, spiritual service available, meaning you can't help them, you're locked down. You can't talk to them, they can't listen. Um, they're too far gone. They're completely, you know, they may well have lowered themselves into deluded and perverse practices or deluded thought and perverse ways of living. And that doesn't mean necessarily... Uh, sexual perverse, but um, spiritually perverse, perverse, turned away, turned away from uh, the right way, misaligned, disoriented, not in the way of their own soul evolution, in the way of um, delusion or uh, chronic, um, compacted, you know, constipated wrong view, uh, hard impacted colon of wrong view, and anger, perhaps, or despair, or self-pity, or something, they may become unreachable, mentally, emotionally. They may already be unreachable physically. What do we do? Well, uh, he's really saying, um, don't, don't, don't depend on uh, service for well-being. Depend on yourself for well-being. I mean, he's not. I mean, I don't think. Anybody should, this is not a, I, I'm not, he, you know, some people will read this and say, uh, don't get involved with others, just be a hermit in the mountains. I'm not, I don't think that's the only way to play it here. <clears throat> I'm not saying, I don't think that's what he's even saying. He said, when I, uh, uh, he who does not look at himself but looks at others, meaning he who's not um, seeking the the blossoming of true nature, not seeking to know and live in harmony with being, with true nature, with Shing, uh, but only looking at others, is not taking a hold of himself and only seeking to get a hold of others, right? Rejecting the inner to do world service is not world service. <laughs> it's avoiding self un- self-confrontation or self-understanding or inner work. So... Uh, getting other what getting what other men have got, but failing to get what he himself has already gotten or get or has, seeking to get what others have or have gotten, while neglecting what we already have. That's the problem. That is associated with here finding joy in what brings joy to other men, but finding no joy in what would or should or must or you need to find can bring joy to yourself. 
<clears throat> uh, seeking, you know, depending on physical, uh, social, interpersonal, emotional, mental forms of service to other is a big problem at this time in history. Uh, don't forget the kingdom of heaven is within. Eventually, the kingdom of heaven will also be without, meaning outside, in the collective, in the space-time environment. But probably not until 4D positive or the next after-dimensional shift. <clears throat> uh, this is not a great time for social reform, as you may understand. Do what you think you should do. Um, <laughs> a supposed quote from Robert F. Kennedy, who's on his way to becoming Christed, actually, said... Um, we are in the last battle. This is a maybe there's somebody named Noor Anur who put this as Robert F. Kennedy's quote. I don't know if it's the case, but it may be. He said, We are in the last battle. This is the apocalypse. We're fighting for the salvation of humanity. We all knew this was coming at some point. I never believed it would come in my lifetime, but here it is. We are the happy few, the band of brothers and sisters. We know what our job is in this life. I can't believe he really thinks this way. It's very high metaphysics. We know that we're part of this battle, right? It's called Armageddon, <laughs> not actually Apocalypse. We have to fight. We have to die with our boots on if necessary. But, you know, there are many ways of helping without called fighting. Everybody here, I'm confident, knows what their duty is and is going to do that duty. And I'm going to be beside you when you do it. I know all of you are going to be beside me. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Maybe. If he said it, Great. If he didn't, uh, either way, um, this is, you know, Apocalypse and Armageddon. <laughs> we know. And so uh, there are many ways to do service that don't require uh, leaving your home. And uh, one should never neglect true nature. And one should never neglect the joy one may find in oneself. I mean, that, 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 you know, joy in many ways, I think, is a product of um, significant lower triad clearance, blockages of lower triad cleared, and uh, particularly green indigo, a fourth, sixth chakra pulsing. Um, it's a heartful, love-based, green ray-based, uh, sixth chakra experience. It's very two, four, six, actually. In fact, it's probably a very... Fine uh, coordination, high energy condition of the 246 line, joy. Because it's more than just happiness. I eat a peach and I say, yummy. Not like that. It's um, looking at beauty, feeling deep love and um, heartful union. <clears throat> uh, the, the emotional portion of love, as opposed to the kind of... Um, qualitative of, of um, way, you know, love as allowing and being with, being fully with. Um, this adds on the affective uh, when, when there's joy. And so <clears throat> um, if we don't find joy, fine. But uh, don't neglect yourself at the expense of others, is what he's saying. So let me just see if um, where I want to go uh, we're almost at the end I think um, again the criticism is of those who harm themselves um, as a consequence of uh, what I think is a very high minded desire to be of service to other then there is harming yourself um, and sort of uh, a little bit of in inauthenticity or inauthentic or egotistical-based service to other righteousness and benevolence, where we are seeking name and fortune, fame and gain, name and fame, you know, fame and fortune. There is some sense of, I want you to see me. I want to be seen as the reformer, the helper, the server, the teacher, the, help, the healer, dot, dot, dot. I really want it. Now, it's one thing to say, I like to be liked. It's another thing to do because I don't like myself and I need the experience of having you like me so I like myself a little bit more. But I really don't like myself. I don't like what I is. 
goes the goes the distorted mind there. And I act for you, so you will admire and appreciate because ultimately I have a sense of inadequacy. That's a problem, and that's over nice in ways of benevolence and righteousness. Um, that is self harming and uh, neglectful of um, uh, true nature. <laughs> true nature includes the potential for for joy. You know, and the more one is nicely. Um, pulsing on the two four six line, the more one has wellness, well, well, well being. So, um, I think uh, I'm going to kind of end in a couple of minutes here. <laughs> the time is coming close to the end, and I've I'm not sure if I want to read more or what, but we'll figure that out next week. A couple more points before the end of today, whether it's the end of chapter eight or not. He who holds to true rightness doesn't lose the original form of his inborn nature. So for him, joined things are not webbed toes, things forking off are not superfluous fingers. The long's never too much, the short's never too little. And so there's the the association with um, not losing what heaven gave you, although it's not a thing to be grasped, appreciating true nature, you see, not losing what heaven given you is basically uh, develop the seven chakras and live at the level of being or activate six chakra or develop green, blue, indigo. It's just the same. So holding to true rightness doesn't hold physically or mentally to anything. There's no grasping in such, quote, holding to true nitrous, true rightness. It's not losing the original form of inborn nature because there's no grasping. You can't lose what you're never holding. Right? If you don't grasp, you can't lose. And this is the um, non-grasping uh, resonance with, uh, abiding in, not neglecting, not harming, not interfering with and pushing away true nature. So Wu Wei is the way of returning to True nature, true rightness, inborn nature, xing, beingness, and and a greater appreciation of sat of tatsat, tatsat, is appreciated. Um, suchness, things as they are, life, you know, phenomenal display as is, its natural order, or the pa- the orderless order, <laughs> the the uncarved block, the beauty, the exquisite beauty of the uncarved block of tatsat. Um, is basically uh, based in appreciation of true nature. And true nature is not a thing to be held. It's not a thought. It's not even silence of mind, actually. Uh, Because one can think or not think, and yet not lose that formless dwelling. It's it's akin to equanimity. But um, it, it doesn't exclude thinking and doing, or even pausing and hesitance. Um, it's simply non-grasping. And so back to sati, mindfulness, non-grasping attentiveness. So in this case, uh, we're you and, and Burton Watson pulls this out brilliantly, web toes don't mean adding a webbing unneeded. It means born in an original condition that most people wouldn't want or... Um, uh, reality or phenomenal phenomenal display as it is in ways that commonly go against our preference or our desire. Um, and so this is um, the point. The duck's legs are short, but to stretch them out would worry him. The crane's legs are long, but to cut them down would make him sad. What's long by nature needs no cutting off. What's short by nature needs no stretching. This would be no way to get rid of worry, meaning you can't get rid of worry by changing um, conditions that, in this case, shouldn't be changed. Now, there are conditions that you ought to change, and that's another matter. But, you know, we're not talking about everything here. I wonder, then, whether benevolence and righteousness are part of man's true form. Those benevolent men, how much worrying they do. And so how much despair we may feel or angst that we can't interface with people in the ways we prefer or our projects in world service and community building and this and that uh, are still born 
or can't um, manifest. So the Taoist doesn't want you to worry, um, but that doesn't mean we should suppress worry. It means we shouldn't get stuck in it. And if we don't suppress it, actually we won't get stuck in it. We will feel it, but it will morph into a heartfulness, a sort of tender heart at the um, limitations some of the many limitations we're facing living in this world, um, you know, the brothers and sisters of sorrow remembering their calling and calling themselves to be more present. Um, even that that means more solitude. Um, so, next time, I think I'm, I'll just leave it open and see, maybe go back into this chapter 8. There, there are a lot of t- poignant Um, teachings here. So that'll be it for today. (laughs) I hope that was useful. It's uh, pretty heavy stuff and uh, quite beautiful. Taoism is lovely. And this is um, kind of an amplification of Tao Te Ching, which is um, a little tight. (laughs) It's deep. It's wonderful. Uh, This is um, softer. Things have changed in the centuries since uh, Lao Tzu put out Tao Te Ching. And... um, I think we can, even if it's not from Chongsa directly here in these latter chapters, the teaching is quite solid and useful. So that's it. Um, I hope everyone's well. Take good care of yourselves every day. See you next time. And good night.